Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I do That's some bad hat, Andrew. It's a cool show. Not a doctor. Bye, have a good one. From you, love. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordas. I'm Damas Cleary. And today we'll be discussing Loki Season 1. Damas Cleary, how are you? Oh, look. I love to be honest with our listeners. I'm not doing well. Um, the old depression is back in force. I'm just bopping along, doing my best. How are you, Brad? Um, I'm not brilliant, to be honest, either. <laughs> <laughs> Having a real shit, shit last couple of days. Yeah. Uh, to put it in context what's happening here in Australia at the moment, Victoria in particular, I started my two-week holidays. Mm -hmm. Uh, Today is Thursday night. Uh, On Wednesday, yesterday, I started my two weeks of vacation time. Uh, And immediately upon doing that, Victoria has had a problem with some COVID outbreaks. When Victoria has COVID outbreaks, it goes into lockdown or at least other states start dealing with that. Your state, WA, said, nah, Victorians can't come over anymore without Mm -hmm. doing two weeks of quarantine when they arrive. So that means my plan to come and visit you in Western Australia next week is not happening, which yep. was the was the original bad news, mm-hmm. and that was bad enough. Today, Victoria's COVID situation's got a little bit worse, so they're going into a five-day lockdown. But it turns out, not just only are we going to a five-day lockdown, it turns out I was at an exposure site, that being the Melbourne Cricket Ground, to watch the footy last weekend. Not even my team. I went with friends to watch two teams that I don't support. Big mistake. This is what I get for going Huge. to a Carlton Cats game. Idiot. Of course, this is always going to happen. And so now one of the guys I went with has been determined to be a primary or sorry, a close contact of someone who had COVID at the ground. And now because he had it and I went to the game with him, I still need to get in contact with our Department of Health and Human Services properly, but I may need to, to quarantine at home for 14 days as well. Uh, I actually had a COVID test Brilliant. yesterday, <laughs> which came out this morning as being negative. I also am fully vaccinated, so it's unlikely it's going to affect me all that much. But it's not just about that. Obviously, it's about protecting the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm looking at at least a five-day prison sentence inside my own home, if not two weeks. And that's how I'm going to spend my two weeks holiday. <laughs> just just as I, like, we got the bad news, we weren't coming to WA. That yeah. was shattering. We're trying to go, well, what else can we do? Do we fly to a different state and go somewhere, you know, sunny and warm, like in Queensland? Do we we cancel our flights and rebook and, you know, what are we going to do? Do we even just stay in Victoria and drive around and do some, like, like a driving holiday? Yeah. And then, like, the moment we start to make any sort of plans, <laughs> the world universe is just like, Get, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Stay at home, you idiot. That's the only place you can As be right like now. As that classic saying goes, you know... We make plans and COVID laughs. You know, like <laughs> that is just absolutely 
what is happening. Well, the thing is, like, I had lost all hope that you were coming well before this had happened. I'm like, there's there's no way the universe or COVID, our, our leader at this point in time, <laughs> Um, will allow that to happen. So I pretty much like resigned myself to the fact that you weren't coming, even though we were getting so close. We I know, I know. So, like, I had hope. Five like, days out from you coming here, um, I was like, there's no way. And then I I did have, though I, in that maybe yesterday or the, or the day before that, I was like, oh, maybe he will. And as soon as I said that to myself, um, I believe you sent me a message going, well, this doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned my lesson once again. Learned my lesson once again. What's the saying? It's the hope that kills you. It is I the know, hope that kills you. I know yeah. Ted Lasso doesn't believe in that, but Taylor, go tell you, mate, it's the hope that kills you. It's like, this is the second time we've had to cancel this trip over because yeah. of fucking COVID. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> so this wasn't meant to be a confessional. Yeah. This is not where I was going to. This is where it's happening, though, guys. So thanks yeah. for listening to that. I'm sure there are plenty of people who have got like a worse situation. I understand. Like, obviously. if you get COVID, obviously, this can be way worse than that. And people are being affected in all sorts of different ways. I'm lucky enough to be on holiday. You know, it's not going to affect my work I- immediately. Other people, their livelihoods are at stake when this stuff happens. And I get that. I totally do. But I think everyone's allowed to feel frustrated at yeah. the shit. Shitty, shitty situation in general. Um, so, with that in mind, is it, I think it's worth saying right now, I, I was sort of thinking that probably next week we were likely to, re- or the week after, potentially, depends on what was happening with the trip, that we would review the final episodes of The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. I still think that's probably the plan at this stage, but it's not going to be next week. No. It may not be the week after. We're no. going to take a little break. We need a break. A little <laughs> mental health break. Just give yeah. ourselves, you know, time to to figure out our existences. Go back. We've got so many episodes now. Like, really, you guys have no excuse not to watch <laughs> a season that you've been like, oh, maybe I should catch up on that yeah. they've reviewed. Go back. Watch one of those episodes that you haven't listened to us review yet. Watch yep. it. Listen to that review. We've given you guys enough. We need a little break. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. yeah. That's good. That's a good plan. Go back to the archives. See what you can find. Go, oh, yeah, that's... Listen to a review. Listen to a bunch of different reviews of shows you might be interested in. See what we think. If you like it, start watching the show. Come back, listen to the rest. That's what it's there for. And so we'll be back in a few weeks, two or three weeks probably, to get back to uh, Sopranos and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, wow. What a great way to start the episode. In the meantime, <laughs> let's get to our spoiler-free review of Loki Season 1. <laughs> Fuck, that's funny. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Before I even do the facts and figures section, I just want to say, again, apologies, listeners, but I actually felt good to get off my chest a little bit, to vent a little bit. Yeah. I promise I will stay on topic for the rest of the podcast. It will not affect the rest of, of the co- podcast. Look, we're nothing but professionals, bro. You and Absolutely. I. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Loki is a Disney Plus sci-fi fantasy mystery series based on the Marvel Comics character Loki, set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the third such series after WandaVision and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier earlier in the year, and premiered on June 9th, 2021. 
Michael Waldron, writing assistant on Community, writer of Rick and Morty episode The Old Man in the Seat, and upcoming MCU film Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and directed by Kate Heron, the series follows an alternate timeline version of Loki, who, after stealing the Tesseract during the events of Avengers Endgame, is brought to the mysterious Time Variance Authority, or TVA, a bureaucratic organization that exists outside of time and space to monitor the sacred timeline. Tom Hiddleston reprises his iconic performance as Loki from previous MCU films, joined by Owen Wilson, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, Woodmi Mosaku, Sophia DiMartino, and Tara Strong as the voice of Miss Minutes, not to mention a few others that are best left as surprises. Loki consists of six episodes, each coming in at around 49 minutes, including a long credit sequence that all these MCU TV shows seem to have, and took us approximately four hours and 55 minutes to watch. I've got to say also, uh, Kate Heron, the director of the series, she has directed, notably going and doing some research, a few episodes of Sex Sex Education, which was a show that we reviewed only two weeks ago. So there you go. It all ties in together. Really enjoyed that. So not surprised. Yep. Absolutely. So before we get to our spoiler-free review, Damask, I wanted you to remind the listeners for the umpteenth time (laughs) your thoughts on Marvel and specifically the first two Disney Plus MCU shows, WandaVision and The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. All right. So I feel like I've had this conversation with you guys, you listeners at home, so many times. Um, I feel like that drunk woman in the corner who keeps repeating herself, but I'll (laughs) I'll say it again. Um, So I read a couple of the comics, mostly Civil War in terms of the MCU. Um, I love the MCU. Um, Maybe minus perhaps the Ant-Man stuff. I can't get into it. I don't know why. I just... Uh, maybe MCU fatigue. I'm not sure. Anyway, have you tried Ant Man the Wasp yet? Yeah, I oh, okay. I couldn't finish it. I just like I wasn't wow. compelled. It's not that it was so bad, but I felt like I had moved beyond caring about sure. such sideline stuff. Anyway, it's a shame um, the third one is probably going to be super important. <laughs> oh, I'll definitely watch that. Like before okay. that comes out, I'll catch up. Um, but cool. yeah, no, I love the MCU. Captain America is my favourite character. Mm-hmm. I've been very invested, um, particularly, I think, like, kind of slightly invested in MCU until, like, the first Avengers film came out, and then I was super fucking invested, and ever since then, um, yeah, just, like, watch, rewatch, watch, rewatch, rewatch, rewatch um, every film that I possibly could. I fucking... Love it. Like, it's one of the things that I I rarely go to the cinema now, um, mostly for financial reasons, but I'll always put aside money to make sure I'm getting, you know, those kind of midnight screening tickets Mm. for the big event uh, movies for MCU. It's really important to me. I'm very attached to many of the characters. Um, I love it. Um, But to your other question about the Disney Plus shows, Mm-hmm. WandaVision was such an encouraging moment. I think you and I, we we dedicated a lot of time to the um, Marvel Netflix shows, mm. many of which, most of which were very disappointing. I Absolutely. only liked the Jessica Jones, the first season of Jessica Jones. That was the only one I really connected with and enjoyed. Um, so to have WandaVision come out and for them to prove that they absolutely can take that cinematic universe and bring it to TV, um, it, it was incredible. I The performances were amazing. The 
ingenuity that they used in order to like craft their story was really mm-hmm. impressive. Um, so WandaVision honestly blew my mind as to how good it was. My expectations were high um, and they exceeded them. With Falcon and Winter Soldier, I was lukewarm, I think, to that. That was more paint by numbers for me. I don't think they did anything particularly mind-blowing during that series. It was fine um, and I'm excited to see, you know, Falcon. That's a spoiler. Um, I'm excited to see the future of those characters. I'll say that. Um, but as for the that story that they told in that season particularly, I found it a little uninspiring perhaps. Um, yeah, but I was – after watching, you know, trailers for Loki, I was – and after my experience with WandaVision, I was certainly excited for what Loki was going to do. I'm in a very similar position – Big, big MCU fan. I have dabbled in the Marvel comics here and there, um, but I wouldn't say I'm an expert or an enthusiast, enthusiast by any means. Have loved pretty much the vast majority of what the MCU has put out there. Become very invested in that. Um, Guys, Galaxy is probably my favorite one, but I've loved mm-hmm. Captain America is my favorite of the characters, same as you. Big fan. Like you, was very disappointed by what Netflix did. Uh, overall, there were some highlights here and there. Jessica Jones was the obvious one, but ultimately didn't seem to really fit the potential nor meet the standard the MCU was putting out mm. there, which was yeah. disappointing. So these, especially after I think The Mandalorian showed that like Star mm. Wars could succeed as a live action series on Disney+, Plus, when we got these MCU Disney Plus shows, that was encouraging. WandaVision in particular was always the one that grabbed my imagination because I had enough understanding about some of the stuff they'd done in the comics with Wanda and Vision that and the just the idea of like using the TV language of sitcoms from the 50s onwards to make this story as a television show it just seems so inspired and such a great way to mm. use the production yeah. values that Disney comes with that I was super looking forward to it. And for the most part, I was really, really, really into WandaVision. Towards the end, maybe not as encouraged or as into it, but for the vast majority of the runtime uh, and certainly the work they had on the A-plot, really, really into it. Falcon the Winter Soldier, same as you, mostly paint by numbers, recognizable as just sort of that MCU action spy thriller type thing with some highlights in terms of the themes. It went to places thematically that I wasn't expecting them to go, at least in the sort of detail that they did. It didn't necessarily work as well on a plot level, but at least they they were going for something. They were swinging for the fences on, in that thematic sense, at least from what we'd seen from the MCU. And so mm. that was good, but certainly nowhere near as WandaVision. As WandaVision. Uh, Loki... I, when first announced, I'll talk about this when I get to my spoiler-free review, actually. But yeah, I was I was looking forward to Loki by the time we were ready for that. I'm, I'm really glad, because originally it was planned that Falcon the Winter Soldier would come out before WandaVision. I'm really glad that WandaVision came out first. Yes. Because I think if we started with Falcon the Winter Soldier, I would have been far less encouraged by the whole thing. But WandaVision just really set a great tone. With all that in mind, Damask... Could you please give us your spoiler-free review for Loki Season 1? Absolutely. Once again, it feels like an honour and a privilege simply to be here, bros. But to give my opinions, oh boy, what a lifetime highlight. (laughs) Am I overcompensating for our mood? Maybe. Slightly. Um, (laughs) All right. Okay. So 
Talking about Loki. So this show felt so momentous and important. Like we were talking about earlier, you know, Falcon in the Winter... And I'm talking about in context of the MCU, right? Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Falcon and the Winter Soldier felt tangential to me. It felt like a placeholder, you know, kind of like while we waited for another movie to come out. I was like, okay, that's that's fine, but not really to the standard of what I expect from the MCU. It was a bridge rather than an event. Yes. Ab- sure. Yeah, well said. Absolutely. Um, and WandaVision felt like an overdue dedication to characters who deserved more, and that was really mm-hmm. appreciated. And the way that they did it, like you were saying, was so clever and so well done. It was like, fuck yeah. Um Loki felt like something else entirely. Um, The story of this show felt somehow more important and consequential than any of the movies. And I fucking love a lot of the movies, but in terms of like what they're doing with the universe, this show feels huge and incredibly important. Um, But obviously people have wanted more from Loki. He's a beloved character. And I like the guy. I enjoy the energy he's always brought to the MCU, but I have in no way been obsessed. Um, However, when I saw the trailers for this show, it excited me. And I won't go into details about the concept because I guess that's a spoiler in some way. So if people are going to this totally blind, I don't want to give anything away in terms of what they may or may not be doing. Um, But I will say... The concept that I was seeing just simply in those trailers looked like it had endless possibilities and I was a keen bean, if you will. And, oh, oh, did I feel like a kid while I watched it. Much of this season was spent watching scenes of, I can't believe I'm saying this, but (laughs) much of this season was spent watching scenes of two or maybe three people just having chats. They were just having chats, guys, and I loved it. (laughs) I loved it, and for two different, very different reasons. So the first being, you know, scenes of characters kind of psychoanalyzing one another, trying to determine motivations, and through those conversations, creating their own unique dynamic. And that wasn't really anything I'd seen in the MCU before. There's been plenty of great, you know, conversations, but a lot of the times it's not really about that. And this show really dedicates the time to it. And I think it's so valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, like I've said many times um, about TV, I was rock hard for it. You know what I mean? Like real fucking rock hard for it. Put on um, the poster. <laughs> yeah. And the second type of conversation, going back to, you know, just scenes of two or three people having chats, the second type of conversation between, two people or three people were the ones in which the result of this conversation has such epic repercussions for not only those in the room, but the whole goddamn universe. (laughs) I was, not only was I rock hard, I was also at that point jizzing in my pants. (laughs) Like it was, it was. Actively touching yourself. (laughs) Yes. Actively touching myself going, please give me more, but also is this too much? It was, it was. (laughs) It's amazing. Um, So this show moves away from grand battles, you know, with space lasers or like big bad monsters and instead focuses on character connections and moral dilemmas. 
Oh boy, I I fucking loved. I loved that part of it. It was it was both quiet and big. It mm. was it was yeah, it was momentous but not um in the obvious ways. So I can really I, can I give that. can I give my interpretation of that? Yeah. It was simultaneously focused on mm-hmm. the smaller story and yet epic. Yes. Like yes. it was both Absolutely. those things at once. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I've totally lost my space of where I am at because I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's fine. All right. So not only all of that, this show has such a sense of adventure. It reminded me of some of my favorite seasons of Doctor Who. Mm. You know, we've got our thrills, we've got our companions and whole new worlds and possibilities to explore. I mean, I really can't, I really can't help but fangirl over my experience of this show. Watching this week to week was such a joy. Every time an episode finished, I was both ecstatic at what I had seen and furious that I had to wait seven days for more. (laughs) And this is coming from someone who is experiencing, you know, their biggest spell of depression in maybe like three to four years, probably four years. Like I'm horribly depressed right now. And this show gave me this much joy. I was so, so, so happy to watch it. I fucking loved it. I loved it so much. All right, brought over to you. Okay. Oh let's, no! Let's, let's let's bring it down a little bit, shall we? Don't bring, don't ever bring it down, bro. When Loki was first announced, it was easily my least anticipated MCU show. The conceit of WandaVision, as we talked about earlier, instantly sold me. Understanding how Avengers Endgame left Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes, it wasn't hard to imagine where a show focused on them would go. Loki, on the other hand, was a complete unknown. Sure, Loki made that grand escape in Endgame, but there was no obvious storyline for what a Loki show would be, especially since this was going to follow an alternate timeline version of the character, and not the one we'd come to know through the Thor series of films. Then two things happened. Number one, WandaVision was excellent and proved that the MCU shows couldn't just work. They could be very different from the films that came before them. And two, the teaser trailer for Loki arrived with an energy that instantly hooked me. Just like that, Loki became the real proving ground. Marvel managed to play outside the box once with WandaVision, but could it do it repeatedly? And if so, could it do it well? The answer is a... Glorious, yes. Yes! I also fucking love this show. <laughs> it just hits me in all the right places in all the right ways. Oh, boy. This does, there's a lot of sensuality to what there we're talking is. about. <laughs> Are we turning each other on? What's going on? <laughs> oh, eroticism, maybe. It's not sensual. <laughs> on the most surfacey of surface levels, the production design in Loki is just impeccable. Mm. Sure, Disney have all the money in the world, so it shouldn't be surprising that their stuff looks and sounds good. But that talent and the work that money buys needs to be recognised. Everything about this show looks amazing. The sets, the props, the lighting, the digital backdrops, the camera movements, visual effects, all of it is is of movie quality and comes together to stand apart from anything else in the MCU. There's plenty of people out there with billions of dollars... Not doing such great that things. That don't know how to, sp- okay, to use it. Okay, going to fucking space. <laughs> sure, <laughs> perfect example. are making life on Earth a little bit better. For sure. me, at least. 
The TVA headquarters in particular is a place that I just want to spend a week lost in. It's not uncommon to see a retro futuristic design in pop culture, but it's never been better realized, I don't think, nor Mm. made more sense to see a CRT monitor with a monochromatic graphics coupled with a hyper-advanced cosmic monitoring system that a reality-governing bureaucracy that exists outside of time itself. It's just, it's fun, it's absurd, and it works. Just as strong is Natalie Holt's weird, warped, and wonderful score. Equal parts Mm. cool and unsettling. It creates an incredible mood that enhances everything that's happening on screen and carries us through each episode and into the credits feeling oh so many things. The music is so good. I've got to agree with you. It's so good in the series. Like up there, if it's right there with Ludwig Granson's Black Panther score in terms mm. of like the best music in any of the shows. And One Division yeah. had some highlights here and there, but it uh, and good use of theme and stuff like that. But Loki has been on another level, I think. Mm-hmm. At the time of recording, music for the first three episodes of Loki are on Spotify, uh, with the rest to follow. And what is already there, I've been listening to on re- repeat. At this point, you may be thinking, well, this sounds like a super fun sci-fi adventure of a show, and you'd be right, but it is also extremely character-focused. Of course, there is a mind-bending mystery to solve with multiple timelines and plants to visit. How Doctor Who does that sound? But it never forgets to be about the characters first. Tom Hiddleston's Loki has always been a fan favourite for for, has been a fan favourite for a while now, but somehow, somehow. And in incredibly quick fashion, they made me really care about a completely different version of Loki than one we mm. knew. Furthermore, only after one episode, I would have protected Owen Wilson's Mobius with my life. <laughs> Wilson is, yeah. not the sort of, is not the sort of actor I would naturally pick to join the MCU, but mm. he's inspired casting, fully committed to his role, yeah. with an infectious chemistry with Tom Hiddleston that sparkles on screen. I just want to jump jump in there. Please do. Owen Wilson is that kind of actor. And we spoke about in the last episode, which was an off-topic hot topic, about Mm. A League of Their Own, the series they're making about that. And they recently cast Nick Offerman kind Mm -hmm. of as that Tom Hanks character. And I was talking about Nick Offerman being that kind of actor who, while playing someone who's terrible, much as Tom Hanks did, is so likable. That's the kind of person you need to hire. And Owen Wilson, for me, is one of those actors you can put him in any role, but just simply by his natural charm and talent, no matter what, there's a part of me that is just so affectionate towards him and he brings that in full force to the character of Mobius. I think he just also has a slightly... like. Well, there's been a lot of very good actors who have obviously been in the MCU and very charming actors. think of Paul mm. Rudd and stuff like that. But Owen Wilson has this uh, laconic... Laconic, is that the right word? Like this relaxed attitude that isn't normally something you'd see. Mm-hmm. But by being here and then coupled with the intensity of Tom Hiddleston's, you know, glorious, prideful Loki is just such a perfect yeah. choice. And it's just that little bit different from what we normally get that like, it, I was instantly excited. I remember there's a, there's a scene in the teaser sequence, just Loki and, and, and Mobius talking in an elevator in episode one. And just been like, oh, okay, mm. I need to pay attention to this because this just feels like it's going to be really something cool. Yeah. Uh, from top to bottom, the key performers uh, are all excellent, bolstered by a witty, sentimental, and extremely smart script. And I want to emphasize the smart part of that. Sometimes shows and movies write characters to be geniuses. I think of something mm. like Sherlock, for instance, and the Sherlock mm. Holmes 
movies with um, Robert Downey Jr. But often, that just means they know things other characters couldn't, or they say a bunch of sci-fi sounding techno jargon that's meant to make them seem impressive. Loki is full of actually clever characters who play their hands with intelligence and make properly smart choices. This is likely because the writers themselves are actually smart, nimbly, mm. and sometimes cheekily avoiding narrative traps that lesser stories would step into. Yeah, it's about like active problem solving as opposed to passive problem solving. So if you have yeah. someone who's a genius and automatically the smartest person in the room, it yes. feels like passive problem solving because they're always going to get the solution. But we're able to watch these characters through, you know, character motivation, figure out the best solution for them in every situation, which is great. I think what the show does well is feels like all those moments are really, really, really well earned. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you see the cogs turning or you see the problem evolving and you see this, the character make those choices and you understand why they made the choice they made at every possible turn mm-hmm. and i that that is not does not always happen sometimes the good guy just knows the good guy thing to do sometimes the bad guy just knows the bad guy thing to do and you're left going but why did they do that or how did they know that and this is not that show whatsoever mm-hmm. if it sounds like i'm gushing it's because i am <laughs> there's very little i didn't enjoy about loki though that's not to say it doesn't hit a snag here or there. Occasionally, execution doesn't quite meet ambition with a cute but largely clunky single-shot long-take sequence being the most notable example. Similarly, a few action scenes do feel a little pedestrian compared to what you might see in other parts of the MCU, but honestly, the fights were never the bit I cared about. Mm. They function when they need to, especially when building towards emotionally motivated character movement moments, and that's what really matters in the end. I've only watched it through once so far, following along week by week as it released on Disney+, Plus, which is still proving to be an excellent move uh, on their part, I must say. But Loki is quite honestly one of the best things the MCU has ever done. Yes, I know I said that about WandaVision. (laughs) But this goes another step further, if for no other reason than it properly sticks the finale. Mm -hmm. When Avengers Endgame arrived and Phase 3 finally finished, I had to wonder if the MCU really could continue its run of quality, especially as expanded expanded from the cinema and into our homes. If WandaVision wasn't proof enough, Loki certainly is, Marvel Studios is going to be just fine. Damask, how would you score Loki Season 1 out of 5 stars? Can you give your rating first? Because I'm umming and ahhing between two different scores. and I, It's probably the same as me. I like to hear your opinion so I can be like, do I agree with that or do I not agree with that? The hardest, hardest thing for me to do yeah. is like hit that that five. I've been really reluctant to give it away recently. Mm. Um, I, I've set that bar really high at this idea of masterful. Mm-hmm. And... Like I've always said, fives don't need to be perfect, though. And I don't think Loki is perfect. No. But I so appreciate how good so much of it is mm-hmm. and the quality that so many parts of this show hit and that the quibbles I have are so minor compared to how much I enjoyed it. All right, I've got my score. <laughs> I've, I've gone back and forth multiple times and I've yeah. once again flipped back to a five. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say it's five stars. Yeah, I was doing 4.5 or a 5. That's me too. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 5. I really, like, this was such a good time and so well made. Like, yeah, yep, I'm going to give it a 5. Yeah. I want to say as well, 
I loved One Division, but I can only give it a four out of five for a few key reasons. Firstly, the final episode half delivered, but half of it was a drag. And secondly, its C plot wasn't always well executed, and more importantly, wasn't always well integrated into the rest of the show. Loki doesn't have either of those issues. Mm-hmm. So where it's One Division's execution on a number of production levels, what could meet Loki at times? Those two key factors, those two key weaknesses mm. that affected my overall thoughts on WandaVision just do not exist for Loki. Yeah. They just don't. And so I'm going to give it five stars. Cool. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's that time again where we beg and plead at your feet for you all to review us on Apple Podcasts. You enjoy our content for free. It's the least you can do. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and a rant, please, a giant paragraph, anyone, <laughs> about how much you love us on Apple Podcasts. Oh, I love there. It's Sometimes it's begging and sometimes it's outright demanding. <laughs> I'm not sure we've quite found the sweet spot between yet. We'll find it. But we'll make this easier for you. If we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. One, I'm, I want to get there. I'm fascinated to see us return to no. that and really talk about that in a critical fashion because a lot's changed in, you know, 20-something years since that show came it out. It certainly has. I think when we first started, like, saying this to people, I had an idea of what I was going to say and now I have no idea, so it should be interesting. Uh, we would also love you to share hunting seasons with friends, family, people you pass on the street, whoever you want, if you think they might also enjoy listening. Next week and probably the week after, we're going to have a break. I think we've earned a little bit of a holiday. But when we return, we'll be reviewing The Sopranos Season 6 Part 2. If you'd like to contribute to our final discussion of The Sopranos, because let's be honest, something could come up, something amazing could drop all of a sudden. Stranger Things Season 4 hits. We're going to review that first, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. Or if you have any thoughts on Loki, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at huntingscast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Loki Season 1. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 of Loki. And let's be honest... Possibly parts of other MCU stuff up mm-hmm. through season uh, Phase 3 into Phase 4, including WandaVision. Probably not Fuck of the Winter Soldier, but who knows. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Loki and the MCU in general up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You, you have 
been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. I want to start with something that I've avoided talking about specifically because I feel like it is a spoiler to have mentioned it earlier, even though we not often talk about this otherwise. Okay. We are getting a second season of Loki. Yes, we are. <laughs> so normally I'd put that in the facts and figures section, but the thing is there was not necessarily an expectation we would get a season two. WandaVision, not there's at all. no indication we're getting a second season of that. Falcon the Winter Soldier maybe down the line, but again, no indication of that happening. Could the be a film, credits, could be a show, we don't know yet. Yeah. Exactly. The mid-credits sequence, the, the final thing we see of anything inside the show is that Loki will be back for a season two. Yeah. And I just want to say... <laughs> That's extremely exciting because I can't wait to have more of this. And as the show was, as the season was wrapping up, I was like, there's no fucking way they can end it like this. Mm-hmm. If they did, I probably wouldn't have been as hot on the finale. But knowing we're getting a season two, they're going to get heaps more time with these characters. Mm-hmm. We're going to get more Loki. We're going to get more Sylvie. We're going to get more Mobius. Oh, that was a nice yeah. little button to end things well, on. I was reading, I can't remember where I was reading it, but that. It was meant to be a much longer season and obviously COVID meant that they cut it in half and so that's why we're getting a season two. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. There's also there's a couple of shots in the trailers that didn't make it into the mm. show. And I kind of wonder if somewhere along the way they changed their plans slightly for how this is going to work. Uh, specifically, the person that shows up in the last episode may not have initially been who it is we ended up getting. Mm-hmm. Or that, yeah, that it was it was going to play differently, and they either realized what they had on their hands, or they decided to to move it into the rest of the MCU in a different way, and that changed things too. Um, but fuck, they, like the idea of this being a season two, this is a real TV show now. It's not just yeah. like an extended movie, and I think WandaVision is a really good television show. Mm. But Falcon and the Winter Soldier easily could have been a movie like that. Yeah. And you could even argue that Loki season one condensed well enough could have functioned as a movie, but no longer. Now it has to be a TV show. And that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, when I saw that, obviously when it ended, I was like, well, it can't end here. So we need a season two. And then Angela and I were talking during the credits and I was like, shh, hush. There's something coming. I know there is. Always. Um, Yeah, always. And yeah, when it said, you know, season two, Loki will return season two, I... I was giddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I, was I so like fist pumped. Like, yeah, yes. yeah. I was like, "Fuck yes, that's what I want." Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, before we get into some character stuff, I wanted to talk about a few things that I thought were interesting about this show um, in comparison to others. First of all, I just want to talk about the mystery aspect of this show because it is. A big mystery. Like, we mm. set this up. First, we're just figuring out what the TVA is. Then we're trying to figure out who this variant that they're chasing is that's, you know, stealing mm. all these reset charges. Then we're trying to figure out exactly who Sylvie is. Then we're trying to figure out what the real deal with the, with the TVA is because apparently everything they've been told is a lie. Then we're trying to figure out what the void is at the end of it. Mm. And then we're trying to figure out what's inside the, who's inside the castle and what it all means. It's like this ongoing series of mysteries. But unlike something like WandaVision... Where the mystery is just, this is weird. What the fuck's going on? Mm. We're not going to tell you until right at the very end. It always felt like every episode was giving me a meaningful like uh, step along the way. In fact, the immediate mystery I had was often answered. Mm-hmm. And then a new mystery was set up. So, the yeah. best example of that being 
when they introduced, we didn't know who the variant was going to be, the hooded figure in episode one, and then by episode two, we knew it was a Loki. <laughs> yeah. And like, I was like, I didn't expect that to be the case so quickly. I expected that to be something that was pushed way down the road. It was going to be a mystery right up until episode five or something like that. Instead, it was like, bam, here we go. Yeah. Um, the same with like the timekeepers. I had a feeling even from episode two, there was probably a bit of a Wizard of Oz situation going on here. There was really someone else behind the curtain. But I didn't necessarily expect episode four to finish by going, these guys aren't real. <laughs> this is was all a lie. Like, I love that momentum of how they they gave us so yeah. much with the mystery. Momentum is absolutely the word that was in my notes. I literally have the notes, you know, we've got mystery reveal, mystery reveal, mystery reveal. Yeah. And I wrote this, that aspect of it gave this show real momentum Mm -hmm. like and don't get me wrong like i loved what one vision was doing in terms of like what is going on like what are we piecing together to kind of get the reveal that we do in the end but it's also really fun and satisfying to watch a show that gives you a really compelling mystery Mm -hmm. and is not afraid to solve it continuously um it shows me they have so much story to tell they're not attaching themselves to one idea it's like well this is a big part of it but then you can have you and the characters can have this information because there is so much more to mine in this world because they've opened up a whole nother universal multiverses of possibilities and so they're not hindered really at this point by anything and it makes it such an exciting ride the other thing I want to talk about was talking about like how smart the show is and a couple of examples I want to give of that. And both of them come from episode four, mm. which had a bunch of this going on, was how characters were sort of interacting and playing moments throughout. And I think one of the best examples of that of the show really doing a good job of this was early on episode four, they get Loki and Sylvie, the TVA capture them. And they take Loki back to that room that Mobius was interrogating in, in him in in episode one. And they put him in that time loop thing, right? And it's essentially torture. It's like water torture or something like that. Mm. It's just repeating the same thing over and over and over again. This like super low moment in Loki's life. It's been a defining moment in his life. Mm. And he comes out of the torture and was essentially torture, this time loop. And it doesn't hasn't worked, right? It wasn't a thing that convinced him to to work with Mobius. It doesn't He doesn't give Mobius better information, anything like that. It's the way that Mobius then manipulates him and his emotions in the conversation that follows really, really smartly that he finally gets the information that he wants out of Loki. And it's like watching that happen, it was never easy, but it was beautifully character motivated and you saw it sort of orchestrated in that scene. I was like, this is extremely good writing and I believe everyone's motivations, everyone's methodology in this scene. In a completely different way, it's actually the start of episode five. There was a sequence when after Loki had, Mobius and Loki had both been pruned, which was a fucking shock. Yeah. And then Sylvie's left behind with um, Gugu... um, Mbatha's character, Ravana. I can never remember her name. Me either. Yeah. The the judge lady. Yeah. And there was this thing happening where they were talking about where they'd gone, they'd gone to the void, how we're going to get there. And all of a sudden, the judge character is talking about this spaceship they've got that's meant to go to the void and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here just like, 
rolling my eyes going, oh, no, they've done like the laziest thing that a lot of mm. stories do where they find this really convenient thing that no one's talked about before to get to the place that we need them to go. This really sucks. I was just like, oh, this is the, like, the first moment I've like been really disappointed in the writing. And then it turns out that was all a fucking lie and was a manipulation just to get Sylvie to not do anything for a while while backup showed up. And what I loved about that was they weren't only playing Sylvie, they were playing me, <laughs> the person who watches this stuff and pays too much attention to it and hates that trope and used it to uh, against me and weaponized it against me to make me to do to 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 be manipulated as well. And mm. I thought that was so cool that they knew what say, narrative trap to not fall into. And it gives me great privilege to say I was not played. <laughs> I was not played for a, few a goddamn have said that. second. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was quite obvious what was going on, but I enjoyed to see that you're easily manipulated by Miss Minutes. That's that's good to know. Good to know. Right. Yes, absolutely. But <laughs> I, I think I think it was just because it played, it was playing into a trope that I feel like other MCU yeah. things have oh, they, done, every, and so many shows like it do so yeah. often. You know, with sci-fi and fantasy, and all, or particularly sci-fi, do that. All the fucking times, like, oh well, we have, we actually have this device. Yeah, it's only a prototype, but um, yes. let's try and use that to solve the problem. Especially um, that. Yeah, it's so often the thing, so I can understand why suddenly your brain would go into no mode. It's just a prototype. Sense. It's never been tested. <laughs> it, it it might not work, but yeah. of course it's going to work because we need the story to continue. I was like, fuck you! I can't believe you're doing that. <laughs> and they didn't. So mm. applause. What would you like to talk about? One thing that I thought was so important for them to do, and I think the way they did it was wonderful, as well as the performance that is given in that moment is, so obviously the Loki that we have in this show is not the Loki that we come to know in something like, is it Endgame? Is that the last yeah, time we've seen Yeah, even it? Endgame. Oh, uh, no, the last time was Infinity die? War. He died at the start of Infinity War, yeah. Infinity War. So, like, that's kind of the last time that we see the Loki that we've come to know. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really important that Loki has some context as to both our affection and a a a moment of context for him to reflect on who he is mm. as a person. And so to have him have access to his memories as well as, I guess, I don't know if memories is the right word, but memories of the future – um, to see his entire life play out before his own eyes and have those emotional realizations, even though from a different point, but have those at least some of those emotional realizations made this mean so much more that he had seen what had happened while not personally experiencing it, had seen these different versions of himself. Um, yeah, I thought it was so fucking important to make this story have any kind of real meaning to it. Yeah, the biggest problem they had was starting with the fact that well, this was the Loki. This that is old had, Loki. Yeah. This is Loki who'd only just been defeated at the end of Avengers. Like, yeah. he's basically at the height of his villainy here. Asshole. Uh, yeah. He's most pompous, he's most, like, proud, all of those sort of things. Mm-hmm. The I, What's great about the, that first episode is that he's still, like... It's not like when that episode's over, he's the same Loki we had by Infinity War. Exactly. No, not at all. But he was, you know, some of the way there. It just did a great job. In fact, that whole first episode does of just taking this guy and then 
minute by minute by minute, breaking him down. So, you know, he talks about his glorious purpose and what he's, you know, he's meant to be a ruler and all this sort of stuff. And then Mm. he's told that his entire purpose, as according to the timekeepers, is just to be a shithead who motivate the Avengers to become good enough to defeat Thanos. And that by the time he dies... He essentially gets fridged in mm. Endgame, sorry, in Infinity War. Like, that's the end of his purpose. He never had anything beyond that. He was always a pawn to make other people grander and have success. Yeah. And and just, like, watching that break down. And then when he finds that drawer full of Infinity Stones. And oh, like, my God. Yeah. Like, that, the, this thing that he considered to be, like, an ultimate power... Or that he understood me to be so powerful, mm-hmm. reduced to literal paperweights. It's and like, it also does that for the audience as well, which is so totally. great. Like when that guy says, you know, the guy from The Good Place says, yes. you know, like, oh, a lot of the guys use them as paperweights. Like all of our context for the world they've created, the universe they've created says to us, these are things that are incredibly hard to get to have them all in one place is almost impossible and to wield them you Mm -hmm. must be the most powerful being in the universe and to then re-reference that in a context of these people (laughs) use them as paperweights for loki it was like whoa and for me as an audience i was like oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like where are we now that's what i was saying in my spoiler free review it makes this this show more important yeah, momentous. than momentous than anything we've seen before which i did not expect so i saw some criticisms from people after watching episode one particularly that that for them that if there's a few things about this show that they felt uh, sort of undermined what had come before, the first three phases of the MCU. Mm. Number one, the Infinity Stones now being, uh, you know, essentially a joke mm-hmm. made everything that came before it and how much importance was placed upon them sort of now that's lesser, like it undoes disagree. something from those original so films. So hard to disagree. But also, one of the things they also talk about extensively in this series is how no one really has free will in this in mm. this scenario because everyone is being guided down this path that leads to the the same result over and over and over again. The moment that something varies off the path, that timeline is pruned. And so, in a sense, you might argue that Captain America and Thor and Iron Man and all those characters were always going to do the things they do and that none of their choices really mattered. So, that eventually went on with them witnessing that story over the last 10, 12 years or whatever sort of feels less meaningful now that you know that events were always just going to play out that way. Did you feel that way at all? Not at all. I mean, my love of the MCU has always been entirely character focus. So to bring this into like, I don't know, reality or whatever, if I found out that we were in this predestined reality and all of my choices were already laid out before me and it turns out I didn't, you know, have all the free will that I thought I had, that doesn't invalidate all of the emotions or connections or exactly. the value in the life that I live. And I feel that same way about the characters. 
those characters and those relationships are still so important to me. It doesn't matter about the machinations behind the scenes. You know, their their lives, the characters' lives are important. They are living all they know and that doesn't have value just because there's something bigger out there at all. They still hold as much value to me. If I was going to get meta for a second, it's yeah. like understa- It's like being told, well, that movie you just watched, guess what? That was scripted. <laughs> Someone wrote that. That guy, Captain America, not real, didn't really make those choices. It's like, duh. The point Still is the story. Still evokes the same. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, totally. it's, you've often talked about this, like you like being manipulated. Mm-hmm. That's all these things ever are. They're yeah. a manipulation. They, this function of these stories should be to draw us into the world and the story, make us care about the characters, and then hopefully have a satisfying sort of conclusion or arc to them to come away feeling like I got something from that or this was successful in evoking this theme or idea or whatever it is, hold up to different things. And, like, the fact that it was written that these, <laughs> like, mm. and even in the context of the MCU, I just don't think it invalidates any of that stuff. And for me what the show was doing and what successfully did was just make me go, well, holy fuck, all of a sudden it was a question of who could be more dangerous than Thanos? How could something Mm. be bigger than Thanos? And how can you effectively convey that? This did it in a comical moment in episode one of this television show and just made you go, whatever happens after this is a whole lot bigger than what what came before. And that's pretty impressive, I think. Because I I believe in this idea of a multiverse. So every decision that each one of us makes branches off into another kind of existence. So I feel like there are, you know, endless amounts of Damascus and Broads and all of that. That doesn't mean that my timeline is invalidated by the existence of that. And so, well, yes, this is one timeline that this greater being has decided is the one true one that's right for most people. I feel like those choices are still being made. It's just whenever that other choice is made, that's curbed. So it's just like, yeah, it doesn't invalidate it to me in any way. How do you feel about the the use of Loki throughout the rest of the season? His sort of storyline or arc what was what worked for you? What was compelling for you? What was your sort of feelings on Tom Hilson's Loki in general? I mean, it's it is just a very compelling character. I mean, I one of the my favorite characters, which is rarely done well, and this is isn't exactly that, but it's the it's usually in teen dramas where it's like the high school bitch with the heart of gold. Sure. I love that character. And Loki Cordelia. Yeah, Cordelia. Um, that kind of character really wins me over very easily. Um, and it usually is from a place of this desperate need to be loved but also have control in every situation, um, to control that love in whatever way they can. And so to have a character like Loki who really, and Tom, what's his name? Hiddleston. Hiddleston? Thank you. I was going to say Middleston. That's not right. Tom Hiddleston's portrayal of this almost like lost boy. Like he's, there's something really boyish about him. Um, Something almost emotionally naive about him is very compelling. And I enjoyed his 
discovery of his own emotions and mm-hmm. his own and kind of the discovery of empathy and, you know, the importance of others over the self. It's a beautiful story and it's performed so wonderfully. I was engaged every step of the way. So I wouldn't necessarily compare this to like the the bitch with a heart of gold in high school. The immediate comparison is something that shows up in lots of different stories, including some of my absolute favorites, which is the bad boy or the bad guy who becomes a good guy on the way. It's the same thing for me. So not to spoil... I don't want to spoil too many things here. I'm going to say Buffy is on the table here. It's been out for long enough. Mm. Spike, for instance, is a great example of a character who does that well. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender has a character who does that Mm. better than any other story I can think of on the planet. Yeah. And there's always something compelling about that. But in this instance, it's just so much fun. Yeah, as we said, he gets torn down bit by bit in the first episode. He has to confront and deal with why he behaves the way that he did. did. He -hmm. has to try and figure out what it means, who he is. Emotional reckoning. Oh, it's so good. Emotional reckoning, but like um, it's like a, a story of discovery or or rediscovery of of, him, of self. So, like mm-hmm. by nature of being around all these other Loki variants, he learns sort of what it means to be a Loki. What is what is sort of the essence of himself and of Loki's, mm. which is fascinating. But what I love is the literal learning to love thyself. Yes, <laughs> and like the. To, what's the RuPaul line? If you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? Can I get an amen? It's like, <laughs> amen. that is the story of Loki, right? He mm. And there's a lot of differing opinions on like the Loki-Sylvie love story. But fuck, like, okay, I want to get your opinion on this. Do mm. you feel weird at all about, how do you feel about like this lo- two Lokis falling in love that happened in this season? I'm into it. I am into it. It doesn't weed you out at all? It doesn't make you feel like incestual or anything like that? Not in the slightest. It does not in the slightest make you feel weird. Does it make you feel weird? Not at all. And the people who do feel weird about it, Mm. I think, I don't know. I think they're projecting something that they shouldn't onto Mm. it. Maybe guilty feelings for having seen their sister naked in the shower or something like that. I don't know what it is. (laughs) But, you know... Some well, neither of us have sisters. Maybe that's why we're comfortable Possibly. with it. I, don't I have know. a half sister, but we never lived together, so that didn't happen. Um, but the the point being, it's like it's not the same thing as incest. And who the fuck cares? It's this weird ass situation. In that this is totally world, improbable. where yes. this is a possibility, yeah, all the rules are out the window. We're it, not it, talking about that anymore. It, this is not a Game of Thrones. Lannister thing. No. You were all com- pretty comfortable with that, may I say, by the way. Um, but <laughs> I don't know this about weirds that. you out. Oh, no, I was no. Too fully into it. No, I wasn't. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, people accepted that pretty much. They're like, okay, these two, because it's ye old times, I guess, brother and sister are fucking. Um, but these are like, we're in a world in which you have endless versions of yourself, one of which can be a fucking alligator. Um, and you meet someone who can connect with you in a way that you have always wanted to be connected with, um, and you find them attractive. They don't look anything like you. 
you find them attractive and you want to go to the bone zone. And I, I'm not a hater and I fully encourage it. I will say if he had fallen in love with the alligator, that wouldn't have been as cool. Bestiality oh, no, I'd, is, I'd read that fan fiction. I'm, I'm not opposed to anything. But I think the, the important differential here is that this is not a scenario that can happen in real life. They aren't brother and sister. That's yeah. not what they are. They aren't genetically related like that. This is this is a completely fantastical, impossible scenario. Let's just let it ride. It's too interesting to not <laughs> just, just enjoy, enjoy it ride, and go. Man. Just enjoy and go, it. I want to see what this is because mm-hmm. we can never explore. It's not something we can consider in real life. So let it happen. Anyway, point yeah. being, the little like it. The metaphor come to life of that of Loki having to learn to love himself, and finally by loving himself, maybe he can love other people. Brilliant. So um, good. By having to learn. <laughs> but uh, how about this idea that a Loki can never be trusted? Like mm. Sylvie's big thing is she can't trust. Loki's problem is that no one can trust him. And like that, learning to overcome these huge character flaws. Did you feel let down at all by the ending of this season did you feel like they were heading towards something they sort of didn't get to finish their arcs or what were your thoughts on how the show ended no i didn't i thought it was a a beautiful place to end it which allows for so much more growth in season two so yeah loki comes to this kind of proclamation of like i can never be trusted though i don't think that's true at all (laughs) i think we've seen you know quite a few times that he can be trusted mm-hmm. um and that but the fact that she can't trust and that stops her from being able to take a moment and breathe with someone else and evaluate a situation i think is quite tragic um so it, it didn't let me down because i know that there's a season two i'm excited to see so that you know we've we've spoken about what they both think they are so i'm excited for the exploration for both of those characters to who they really are as opposed to just a projection they have of themselves i want to talk a lot about sylvie now Mm. Uh, first of all because i didn't mention her because it's kind of a spoiler as to who she is i didn't want to put too much emphasis on it sophia di martino is really great in this show Mm -hmm. i'll be honest my first impression of her in episode two was not necessarily that I really loved her. I wasn't quite sure how I felt about her sort of take on Loki, mm-hmm. whether it was too dissimilar, too removed, or like whether, like, is she trying to do an impression that's not really coming across? I wasn't really sure. By the time I just got to spend more time with her, and episode three is dedicated to just Loki and mm. Sylvie being together, basically. All of that washed away, and I was as invested in her character as I was in Tom Hilston's Loki, 100%. Yep. And it was so easy to do as well. Her story is ridiculously compelling mm. in terms of this variant, the one who got away and has been on the run ever since, and doesn't even know, does not even understand what it was about her existence that mm-hmm. made her, that made them choose to prune her. Yeah. I think is extremely upsetting and a, a really motivating, a, a incredibly easy to sympathize with her mm. position and why is she moti- so motivated not just to figure, find out or understand that, but more importantly, to take down the people who ruined mm. her existence like this. Yeah. When when 
the uh, Ravana or the the judge, I can't remember her name again, sorry, says she doesn't even remember what her crime was. It's like such a gut punch, such a slap in the face to this woman's existence. Yeah. And I think like, you know, they obviously do have similarities and, you know, common stuff as well. I'm talking about Loki and Sylvie. But I think like, it's really important to remember and I is acknowledged in the final episode of like she's been on the run since before he was born. Like mm. her circumstances have absolutely molded her and they are not by any stretch of the imagination the same person. Yeah. You know, this version of Loki was extracted from her life as a child mm-hmm. and has been alone ever since and in a constant mode of survival. She has not had the luxury of, you know, playing, you know, pranks on Lady Sif and all that stuff. Like, they are very, very, and I think almost entirely different people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I was nervous about a female Loki coming on the scene. I was like, please don't do an impersonation. Yeah. Please don't just be this, you know, other version of. Um, but they didn't do that at all. Sylvie is her own character. 100%. Um, and I really connected with that character that she was. It was interesting as well what they've done with Sylvie. Is they've sort of meshed a few different things from the comics into one, I think, really, really smart version of this character that can exist in the MCU really well. So... Mm. The obvious things are Loki has just been a woman at times in the MCU. He's sort of flipped back and forth. Um, I think some people really um, connect with Loki as being a transgender character to some degree in the MCU because of that. Mm. Also, love like it seems like too little too late sometimes, but it's nice to have a main, extremely popular part of the MCU be uh, officially queer as mm-hmm. well. This... this uh, Pro- proclamation that they're well, not proclamation, but this you know knowledge that they're bi, but that Loki's bi at least bisexual, I think is great. Mm-hmm. But then they've also put together the Enchantress, who is sort of a very Loki-ish type of character anyway, mixed with Sylvie, who's another version of Enchantress, who is a girl that was given the powers of Loki by Loki. And rather than make it too confusing, have gone, we want to have these Loki variants. Let's just put mm. all of that into one character and make it fit. And it's really, really smart choice. And this is where MCU has really continued to impress me, actually, is how they choose, what bits they choose and how they make it work within their ongoing universe. And don't, they don't necessarily simplify it. They just make it fit in with mm-hmm. this version of, of the stories they're telling. It's, Really quite uh, impressive, actually. Um, so, then we get up to the ultimate part at the end of the episode where um, he who remains gives them this choice to either kill him and bring chaos upon the multiverse or to take his place and work together happily ever, ever after, theoretically, um, to keep the sacred timeline going and shape it in whatever way they would like to. And Sylvie is not willing to listen to he who remains nor Loki at this moment. And this is one tiny criticism that I do agree with that someone came, someone suggested. In fact, this is a quote from film critic Hulk's Patreon post about the series finale. Um, he's been really critical of the MCU TV show up to this point, and I understand with a lot of what he's saying. He was relatively actually pretty hot on Loki for a number of reasons. One thing he, he put forward is 
This is a quote. She's just straight up not listening to this guy. And I think this is the one moment that actually gets mishandled on the surface level because you have to have her utter rage come out in order for the irrationality to play. It has to be all about that life that's been stolen. More importantly, you also have to have Time Dad, aka He Who Remains, actually answering why she was taken. It sort of doesn't get into it in this part to further that rage. Yes, I know her motivations. I understand the logic of it, but I want to better feel it in that moment. I kind of agree with that. I don't disagree, yeah. Because I think um, Jonathan Majors, who we really enjoyed, we thought he was really good in um, the now cancelled Lovecraft Country, Mm. although he's also been Emmy nominated this week as well. Big week for him. He is beautiful. He was brilliant in this episode. He was so good. He was so creepy. Um, Yeah. Anyway, go on. Sorry. I want to come back to him in a second, Mm. but it it felt like the show really did a little bit, just a little bit, took the focus off Loki and Sylvie for a long stretch there and put it all on what He Who Remains was saying to the Mm. point where they kind of didn't get to that moment that really got to understand how Sylvie Mm. wasn't at least willing to listen or consider this moment. I think what Film Critic Hulk is saying is like, if she just asked a question, but can you just tell me why you, why you pruned me, explain to me why that was a good decision. And he, and I know he says it wasn't personal, it was practical, but all he had to say was you were a girl, which might simply been it. Loki couldn't be a girl. Loki had to be a boy, whatever it was. Something so ridiculous that just made her go, Fuck you. <laughs> That's mm. all it would have taken. And you would have been emotionally 100% on board with that decision yeah. as well as like rationally on board. And you could totally have both. Like let's not pretend as though like these episodes, the time lengths don't wildly yeah. vary. They could have – because I loved every moment we had with He Who Remains. I, I wouldn't want to cut I don't want to cut either. any of that. Totally. But, it, yeah, I, I don't disagree that I think they have – really give Loki his, you know, reasonings and all of that stuff and you really feel compassionate towards, like, what he's trying to do. And it's very noble and it's beautiful to see. But I do agree that um, Sylvie came across as irrational without an explanation as to why she's irrational, without, obviously, our basic understanding of Like, you humans. can, you can like, put it together. I just... Yeah. In the moment, but to have a compelling have moment that yes. hits you emotionally, I, th- I I think that's a valid criticism. Yeah, because if you had that moment, you would have felt it too. It yes. reminds me actually. The best example I give, and this is MCU spoilers, is like when at the end of Civil War, Tony Stark finds out that Bucky killed his parents. Mm. It's like rationally, you understand that. Bucky was under mind control and didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. But emotionally, you understand why Tony is going to kill him right there. As soon as like, Tony says he killed my mum, yeah. you're like, well, yeah, everything's yeah. off the table. He it, killed your mum. So, yeah, you're going to fucking kill him. Yeah, no one can. Yeah, you, totally. you can't. You 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 accept that that yes. is going to happen. Well, he's going to have to do what he's going to have to do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's what that scene was missing, I think. Just a mm-hmm. little bit. Just a yep. little bit. Um, let's talk about he who must, sorry, he who remains, he who must not be named, <laughs> Jonathan Majors. Now, I keep using that term, he who remains, because that's the term he calls himself with. Uh, brilliant introduction to this character. Mm. Jonathan Majors, it reminds me of like the introduction of um, 
the master at multiple times throughout Doctor Who's history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like several versions of the master have done this. And also uh, the introduction of um, Moriarty in the Sherlock series. Just that just very charming off-kilter genius. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Terrifying mm-hmm. and yet so compelling. You're hanging on to every word. And yeah. he has so much to do. I would understand if someone felt like they were unsatisfied by just these long monologues and talking and exposition and stuff. I got to tell you, I fucking loved it. I was <laughs> every into moment it. Of it. I would go to that TED Talk. You know, like I would <laughs> yeah. pay for that TED Talk. I was so into it. I found him genuinely compelling and mm-hmm. I wanted to know what he knew and he told it in such a way that I was like, all right, tell me more. Like I just wanted to know more. I want to know everything he knew. It was – and the performance was maniacal in such a subtle way mm. that, yeah, I I don't fault that performance. I don't fault that character. At that point, I was just so excited. Like we're getting real answers and they may not be the real, real answers, but we're getting real answers at the end of this season. Thank God. And it's fun to watch. Uh, you mentioned this in your review, Review, <clears throat> pardon me, was how much of this show is just two people talking in a room. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm a boring person, but I've always found that like the drama in a well-constructed dialogue scene of just, there are multiples of these. It's the best. Of Loki and Mobius talking mm-hmm. and like the back and forth and the natural drama that's created in those moments means a heck of a lot more to me than um, a long, sequ- long one-shot sequence of running away from buildings collapsing. Well, or- we think about like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and it's like, and then they go here and then they go here and then they have a fight and then they mm-hmm. go here because they have this information. Snooze alert. Give me, yeah, a, a season of like different groups of people, usually between two to three, having conversations about who they are, who they think they are, who they think the other person is, and just like trying to figure each other out. Oh, hello. That is that is fucking good because it's really hard to do and really hard Extremely to do successfully. Extremely hard to do, yeah. Um, but when it's done well, oh, my God, I love it. So, He Who Remains mm-hmm. is more than likely, if not explicitly at this point, a variant of Kang the Conqueror, who we knew Jonathan Mage has already been cast as for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumanium, whatever that movie is. Did I know he was cast as that? I don't know. We've known that for a while. I didn't know that, but there you go. That's been common knowledge. I was so excited to see him. I was like, that guy, yes. So you, you, did you, because there'd been a lot of, like, obviously, as there was with WandaVision, Mm. a lot of theories about where this was all going. And there was Mm. a lot of clues. This is probably going to be Kang. But similarly, there were a lot of clues that possibly, um, uh, what was the name of the demon guy that was meant to show up in Mephisto was going to be in WandaVision. That mm. didn't turn out, right? A few people were disappointed that it ended up not being the case. And so I think a lot of people, while they felt like Kang might show up, they didn't want to get their hopes up because mm. WandaVision had sort of suggested to them that the big stuff's not going to happen in the TV show. <laughs> the multiverse got ripped apart at the end of this season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the big stuff's not going to happen in this. My God. So seeing Jonathan Majors actually in that mm. role, or at least a variant of that role, 
really legitimizes how important this story is to the MCU as a whole. Mm-hmm. But does that reveal is that reveal enough? All right. Is the reveal of he who remains a character we've never seen before. Mm. And the promise of Kang, a character that unless you know the comics, you know nothing about this stage. I still don't know what that means, so keep going. Well, I can discuss that in a second. Well, that okay, that works though. Let's go with yeah, that. That's Even what I'm saying. You, I'm you coming totally know. blank. So Some people felt like that was not thematically um a payoff for what the series was leading up to. I think some people were expecting there was going to be another Loki variant um, or something like that. There was there was theories of like it being a Mo- Mobius, maybe ends up being his own Loki variant, or he's this guy who's been controlling this from the beginning, blah, blah, blah. But finding like a character they at least knew or had a connection to or something to help to try this all together at the end in an emotionally satisfying way. Instead, we're introduced to this guy we've never seen before. He's dead by the end of the episode. Um, did, did that Was that a problem for you at all? Not at all. Okay. Not not in the slightest. I don't know who Kang is. Um, I thought maybe it might be a Loki variant. And sure. then we met this guy and I was like, who the fuck is this? But the character itself is so compelling. So you think of like people wanting it to be to be something. And I mm-hmm. I assume that people want it to be or is this Kang guy because that's a cool character with a compelling story. I've come into this totally fresh. Mm -hmm. This character is compelling to me, just in the way perhaps the first time you read about Kang was. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's that same kind of thing. And it's not as though he arrives and he's dead. He's very explicitly said, when I die, there will be endless versions of myself who feel compelled to take over every universe that exists. It's a very clear threat and he's already menacing in my mind. So for next season or upcoming movies, I am very scared. So no, it totally worked for me. I was, yeah, I was into it. It was a very end of the Matrix Reloaded. And I know the Matrix sequels get a lot of flack, but Mm. I've loved that scene with the architect talking to Neo and giving him the option between save Trinity or um, or become one with the Matrix and save humanity. Mm-hmm. I've all as it's just two people talking in a room. It's mostly one guy talking in a room to somebody else, much like this scene was. I don't know why. I just really enjoy that. Like when the sh- when the story can just like set up this impossible choice that our characters have to mm-hmm. come to, and then letting them figure that out. Yeah, I, I- was like. I was pretty interested in this idea of, okay, so this is the status quo, which is obviously very damaging to a lot of people. I'm going to talk to the victims of this exact status quo and be like, you can take over and perhaps run it maybe slightly better, but you still got to stick to the rules that I've set out mm-hmm. or you can create absolute anarchy and chaos. They're your two choices. What do you choose? Very exciting choice. <laughs> I was, Absolutely. I was, I was, yeah, I was there. I was fully there. I think the other reason that the way the show, this season ends and why, if it really was the end of Loki, the the television show, this episode, I might have been a bit down on how it ended. Mm-hmm. But because of the enticing cliffhanger mm-hmm. and knowing that there's more and yeah. we're going to get to, 
it wasn't just that they made that choice, it's that where they're going to have to deal with the repercussions of that choice and then discuss that choice and where the, and how they have sort of dealt with that choice internally going forward. Mm-hmm. I'm more than satisfied by that. Yes. I am not just satisfied, I am downright riveted, <laughs> excited, cannot wait to see where they go with that going forward. Agreed. We haven't talked about Mobius at all. I feel like we're running out of time. We should start heading towards our ending. But mm-hmm. Mobius, the character, um, do kind of wish he got a little bit more to do in the finale, I must mm-hmm. say. It's like he's sort of along for the ro- He was really involved early on in the season and yeah. then very involved in episode four and up until the point he get pruned, which, got to tell you, fucking shocked me. Didn't see it coming and mm. really devastated me at the time. In true Marvel fashion, he's back next episode. Same thing when Tom Hilston's Loki got taken. I was like, holy shit, what the yeah. fuck is happening here? What do we do? Yeah. It's like, is they, 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 obviously, they'll find a way to, to get around this, but what the fuck? Mm. Um, but then by episode five and six, I kind of feel like they turned off the Mobius storyline story to focus on the other I two. Think and I this might be a victim of an original full season being cut in half. I assume... Mm-hmm. His journey in next season, which I assume would, would have been the original latter half of season one, he, he will have a bigger role. But I do think, yeah, his story is kind of in that awkward middle pause. Um, but I think we'll get a lot more from him from season two. But I I, I hear what you're saying. Um, he was just such a fun time cop detective mm. character as well. Genuinely, like, smart and intelligent and just... Very easy to like, obviously, thanks to Owen Wilson's character. He's banded with Loki Incredible. Their friendship building throughout the season fell for it instantly. So sweet. And the, the his realisation that he's a variant and that... you know, I, I love that conversation he has um, in episode two, I think it is, with Loki. And it seemed like, like an, a fun conversation, but like an odd conversation when they're talking about the TVA and like, do you question where you come from? Like... You know, you just, you are, you know, existed and then you did mm. your stuff and you didn't really question why you did it. That's just the way it is. And then to find out later that he's, everything he'd be told is a lie and that he's a very, and he's been stolen from his own life, etc. And the to, whole to jet turn his ski TVA, thing, you're like, oh. The jet ski is such a brilliant, mm. all everyone wanted was the final episode to be, he final shot to be Moby's and a jet ski. <laughs> it's incredible. Such a silly idea, a silly image. Is so enticing. It's all we want for this I guy. want Mobius as vacation dad. So we've got a Hawaiian yeah. shirt, some little board shorts, riding a jet ski, pulling on a little, you know, those banana boat things? <laughs> pulling on yeah. a banana boat, Sylvie and Loki, like little kids on a vacation. Like they're finally getting the childhood they, ne- they never had with dad Mobius. That, I mean, that, I think that's the dream. Um, then the ending of the season is that Mobius just does not remember Loki. That by the events that took place uh, in the void or at the end of time, uh, the Citadel at the end of time, I think is what it's called, uh, Loki has been either returned to an altered version of the TVA mm. or a different time in the TVA, maybe before a mind wipe, because this is the idea that things have happened repeatedly and Mobius doesn't remember all of them. For instance, arresting Alligator Loki or Crocodile Loki. And the ring stains on the table, so there's something going on there well, as well. Well, one would assume it's a different timeline because of. Um, it's definitely a different timeline Kang's because of the Kang face. statue. Very yeah. Planet of the Apes. Yeah. You know, you idiots, you blew you it up. You blew it 
Yeah, exactly. Um, incredible tease as well. Mm, so good. But, like, that's heartbreaking to see mm-hmm. Loki looking for him, looking for him, looking for him, and then, who are you? Are you an analyst? What? Oh. Fuck you. Oh, <laughs> fuck you. I'll kill you. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? Um, I don't really. I've got one, I suppose. Um, so we had obviously the episode where Loki goes into that place at the end of time. I don't. I don't fucking know. The void. Anyway, where all the where all the Lokis are. Yeah. Um, I bawled my eyes out <laughs> in that final moment where classic Loki is building Asgard. Yeah. And the music is so fucking beautiful. Oh, the music I lost was incredible it. throughout the I entire show, it, but yeah, that- in that moment, I I was just it flattened me. I it like kind of for a period owned my soul. Like I was just <laughs> so moved by that. Why? And why? Why did that mo- moment move you so much? Do you think? Um, <sighs> it spoke to this kind of idea that Loki thinks less than and yet in this moment you know we see classic loki sacrificing himself and he is a beautiful heroic person and for Mm -hmm. him to demonstrate that but also in that moment to as a distraction recreate his home yeah one him making asgard specifically such a great choice which i assume he hasn't seen in a very long time Mm -hmm. was very, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, was very moving to me and I I lost it. <laughs> Which is an pretty incredible thing to happen in mm. one episode. We are introduced to yeah. Rich D. Grant's classic Loki mm-hmm. in that episode and by the end of it he's doing that and you care enough about it. I think what was really smart also with that though, it was kind of like giving a fans just a glimpse into an alternate uh, like theory as to what happened to Loki at, at after his death death in Infinity War, this mm. idea that he was able to project this convincing illusion that even Thanos believed and sort of just disappear and live this extremely lonely existence mm-hmm. by himself, yep. you know, on some far off planet until finally he uh, he got pruned and then ends up yep. in the void. Well, wasn't it that like, you know, he had kind of found some kind of peace on this planet by himself and then he wanted to see Thor like... Yeah, he, I think he planned to leave or whatever it was, and that's when they yeah, got him. It's like he was to... fine as long as he didn't in- interfere with everything else. But yeah. once he planned to 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 be part of the universe again, he got pruned. Mm. Um, yeah, I, 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 I found it very moving. And just to address that, because that theoretically could have been the Loki that we knew from the MCU, right? Mm. Like the, the story he tells lines up. Maybe that was the the Loki that we've seen. I do not ones. believe that Loki being killed by Thanos was a projection. I do I not believe that. I don't necessarily believe it either. But if you wanted to, you can believe you that's can. who that was. Yes, and that can true. be you've just watched that Loki sacrifice himself for this Loki. Like I mm. just the the sort of timey wimey rubbish that yeah. I love about Doctor <laughs> Who that fed into this as well. Mm. So so good. Uh yeah, we would have been remiss to not mention classic Loki. It was so good. And and Crocodile Loki and Young Loki and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. What a cast of amazing characters. Um I just love the side note I want to talk about was just Miss Minutes. I love that the character of Miss Minutes can exist 
and she works and the audience doesn't question it for a second. That's no. how far along the MCU is. This fucking cartoon clock, Disney clock thing that's going on that has a southern accent and uh, and you just accept it and mm. go, this is a character in the show and there is nothing to question about that. But I also love that, like, they've created this character and every time, like, you know, towards the mid to the end of the season, I'm like, what's this fucking bitch up to? Yeah, what's yeah. she doing? <laughs> like, yeah. I was so suspicious of Miss Minutes. I'm like, this fucking tickety bitch. Like, I was just, I was waiting for the big reveal that she was going to, what I really wanted, like, on the um, penultimate episode was they go to that kind of fortress, that castle. Yeah. And it is not the cartoon version of Miss Minutes, but like a full kind of anthropomorphic. Like a like, mascot version of yes, Miss Minutes, like an actual that's, one. That's like in that felt <laughs> costume. But so I was like, good. if they do that, I'm going to be so happy. But I didn't get that, but that's okay. But I was part of me was really hoping that that would, that would be true. I did love the scene where she was like offering this alternate, like, option to them before they even met uh, yeah. He Remains. But just the... A lot of people have pointed this out. That's a fucking proper jump scare. Like, the tension that builds into that scene, that mm-hmm. so much has gone into it to make you, like, this sense of foreboding. And this fucking orange clock with eyes just appears out of nowhere in front of you. <laughs> it scares the shit out of you. Um, something really weird that happened. Weird coincidence. Before watching the premiere episode of... Um, of Loki. You ran into a female what? version of yourself, that is. Correct, weird. correct, that's right. <laughs> I'm I'm now marrying her. Um <laughs> But no, the I was went I was reading something, someone mentioned like the theories around Mad Men, for instance, and how Mad Men was going to end while it was during its run. And mm. I thought, oh, I'd, I'd, I've never read any of these. I've just finished Mad Men. I've never heard what people's like theories were that the show was in, in motion. And one of the biggest theories was that Don Drape was going to end up being D.B. Cooper, this guy who did this um, oh. heist on this plane and sort of yeah. just disappeared, right? Mm-hmm. This urban legend, not even an urban legend, a real thing that happened. And... I'd never heard of that before. Or maybe I had heard of it. It was a million years ago. I never would have mm. remembered it until like reading about the story again. The very next day, DB Cooper reference in Thor in, in Loki, I was like, if I hadn't if I hadn't read that, I would not have forgot the full impact of like what this scene was doing. It's literally just by coincidence I read about this thing fucking a day before. What are the are odds you of that happening? Part of the timeline? Possibly. Possibly. There's a lot of different things that are mentioned, sort of name dropped throughout Loki. They mentioned the Kree, they mentioned the Titans, that's uh, Thanos' race, and they mentioned mm. vampires. Uh, just alluding to the fact that Blade's down the line, which is kind yeah. of exciting. <laughs> vampires. Vampires, <laughs> which is how the vampires are generally brought forward in Blade as well. They're very much the spooky 30 stuff. Mm. Um, finally, how fucking dare they start episode six with that song? The MCU opening credits, and they play the song that's happening under Peggy and and Steve Rogers uh, reuniting at the end of Endgame. Oh, I didn't realize. It's under the opening titles where the Marvel logo thing is happening at the start. And Mm. you can hear all the voices of the Avengers and stuff before it does that big, like, sort of sweep through timeline and space and stuff. They're playing. The first thing you hear is that fucking song. I'm like, every you understand every time you play that song what it does to me, right? Where that transports me emotionally. Mm. Go fuck yourself, show. How dare you? Least favorite and favorite episode. What was your least favorite episode, Damask? I don't actually have one, but I will give you one. I promise I'll give you one. Um, well, that suggests you do have one. 
I'm going to go with episode four because that's the one where, like, stuff happens and not necessarily great combos happen. That's my only reasoning. Okay, so sure. So it's, it's just a lot of stuff going on, really, okay. like plans coming together or falling apart, but not necessarily, like, the, the, the bits that made me go, oh, this is some meaty dialogue that I'm experiencing. But that's my only reasoning for that. Yeah. Sure. My least favorite episode is episode three, Lamentus. Um, this is the episode where Loki and Sylvia are sort of stranded on that planet together. Mm-hmm. And just felt like it, it had a couple of clunky moments in it. Early on, um, Sylvie and Loki are back in the TVA before they end up on Lamentus. Mm-hmm. And there's this scene where Loki's trying to stop her. She's about to get to the elevator that would take her to the timekeepers. And then as they're talking, she walks from being... So it was that Sylvie was closest to the elevators and Loki Mm -hmm. was on the opposite side. She walks around him and then says, you're in my way. I'm like, well, a second ago, he wasn't. You put your position yourself so now he is in your way. He wasn't beforehand. That was unnecessary. I don't understand why you so did that. So, your issue with the episode is the blocking. Is that what I mean? <laughs> it really annoyed me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> no, you came up. What was yours? That was just the episode with stuff. At least I have a specific <laughs> example. Um, no, and the very end as well. The Super very end. The very end had that clunky long shot action sequence. One take. It, do you, if you remember, it's when they get oh, they yes, very close to the spaceship yep. and all the, the buildings are collapsing and stuff. <laughs> and it just um That's it it just feels very choreographed, right? It actually yeah. is a blocking thing again, yeah. because weirdly <laughs> enough, because like it's technically it's like it is working, I guess, but it just felt very manufactured. It didn't mm. feel natural or actually exciting. It felt like actors hitting their marks mm-hmm. rather than this thing is happening yeah. and, and they're reacting to it. And so little things like that. Yeah. It's it funny. a bit of an off killed episode too. It's funny with that episode. That was the one I was watching where like the end credit starts with like, you know, the different font Loki and yes. like the, the music started playing at the end of the episode. And I was, I thought like, oh, that was really cool that they put the, opening credits that far into the episode i oh. thought we had so much left to go because i was so engrossed I'm like well they've got to get off the planet they've got to get off the planet um so and then i kept watching i was like oh these are actually, it's the end of the episode fuck it was a strange moment to end the episode though it felt like not an anti-climax it just felt like you'd stopped in the middle of something yes it's like totally well hold mm-hmm. on a second surely this is the yeah. end yeah yeah uh what was your favorite episode all right, so if I can't say all of them, um, <laughs> then I'm going to have to say episode five. I, Like I said, I had tears in my eyes at the end. We're in this totally absurd world. Sylvie and Loki reach a new level of their relationship. Um, we're so close to learning all of the truths or the supposed truths, um, which then leads me to want to say episode six because those truths <laughs> are so good. Um, I love that the conversation between the season's bad guy and our heroes. I love that whole conversation. Um, Loki's adoration of Sylvie is so compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversation about maintaining the status quo, but from a place of those that have been persecuted by it is an intriguing take. Um, can I say episode five and six? No. Choose uh, one. You must choose. Uh, 
Episode five, then. Okay. Good choice. Good choice. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite episode is episode four, the Nexus event. How dare you say this is the worst (laughs) episode of the season? How very fucking dare you? But could you tell that I wasn't convicted in any way? No, no. That's that's the only reason I'm going to get away with it. That's the only reason. I just chose a random one. I was like, I'll say that. That'll make Brad happy. I, I thought it was an utterly exhilarating episode from start to finish. It felt good to be back in the TVA after an episode away from it. I just love being there. And putting Mobius and Loki back together again, always great. They've been away for too long. Whole episode. <laughs> Couldn't stand any longer. Whole episode. Whole episode. Lady Sif gets a nice cameo in there. Yes. Lady Sif's been hard done by in the Thor series. It was Absolutely. wonderful to see her again. Yeah. Um, Mobius, the way he played and manipulated Loki um, in those interrogation scenes was brilliant. The Mobius being sneaky, getting the information out of Judge Ravona, I think, and then taking the time manipulator mumbo jumbo was really clever. Like just watching Loki plant the seed of doubt in Mobius and then Mobius being a good detective investigate that, I thought was just really, again, smart and effective. Then yeah, when they this fucking was really good. Then they <laughs> pruned him yeah. and I felt all the emotions. Yeah. And the and the time lords, whatever the fuck. Then we called. found out the timekeepers <gasps> were real. I take it <laughs> back. This they, is not my least favorite. <laughs> then they pruned Loki. Yeah. And I'm left going, what the fuck is this show mm. about? And then the mid credit scene where we see the Loki variants, including Richard E. Grant as classic yeah. Loki. It's like that's that is a ten out of ten episode of television. Well, you've made a fool out of me. I, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That was a great episode. Yeah. Predictions, hopes, and concerns. What are you What are you feeling going forward? Do you have any <sighs> thoughts on where things might go? Do you have any hopes or predictions on um, that? Well, obviously, Judge, what's her name? The name we can't remember um, is after, you know, some kind of power to get her own free will back. I'd be interested to see where her story goes next. I like- think she's going after He Who Remains yeah. was, the, was the feeling I got. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm excited to see. Although maybe not the version that we met, a different one. But go yeah. on. Because I wanted more from her throughout the season. So I'll be excited to see if we do get more of her. Ravona. Um, I've been. Ravona Renslayer. How can you forget a name like that? So I finally looked it up. Cool name. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd love to see that. <sighs> I hope there's some way of like, obviously, this version of Mobius won't have the possibility of remembering Loki because I do think it's a different timeline, but I'm hoping that their relationship develops in much the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, d- I don't know, man. I don't know. What about you? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question because the big, the hardest thing as well is it's not just predicting where Loki season two goes. It's predicting what the MCU looks mm. like after this because this has whole the franchise um, affecting events take place. So if we just think about if this would continue with season two tomorrow, what would it look like? Mm. I think you're right. It's going to be a lot of Loki essentially trying to convince Mobius that, you know, who he is. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a reverse of what the first episode of sort of was where he, Mobius knew everything about Loki and him trying to get Loki on site. It's going to be the opposite. Loki knows heaps about Mobius. He has to convince him that he's, you know, they need to work together. Mm-hmm. Sylvie... I wonder, obviously, they're going to be trying to find her and figure out what's up with the TVA. Um, Either she is going to be working alongside, or she's either going to be in charge of the TVA, or she's going to be working alongside a variant of um, the He Who Remained, 
or she's going to be on the run again, which is, you know, running across time trying to escape possibly another one of these variants, bad guy mm. Kang guys that we don't need to talk about in detail. Who knows? Um, how involved is Kang? I'm going to use Kang as the shorthand version of this going to be in this series. How involved is he going to be in the MCU? It seems likely. It seems like finding out that the writer of this is also writing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness yeah. suggests extremely important in that. Uh-huh. And that's going to tie directly into what's happening here. It seems quite possible. We already know this is probably going to affect Ant-Man the Wasp. Maybe Spider-Man. <laughs> no way home. Mm. Rumours being that Tobey Maguire... And Andrew Garfield will be playing variants of Spider-Man in that film. Mm-hmm. Seems more and more likely by the second, especially when we consider that's coming out before the end of this year. Will Kang or some variant of be introduced in the Eternals? Quite possibly. Who the fuck knows? Neither of us have watched Black Widow yet. That's no. something we're planning to do tomorrow. We're doing it tomorrow, yeah. Which is exciting. Mm-hmm. And then in between all that, we have What If, the next the animated TV show, which mm. now, which once appeared to be sort of like a fun spin-off, literally What If scenario, now could actually be taking place inside the multiverse we just opened up. Yeah. Like it may actually be a part of canon now rather than outside of canon. Mm-hmm. For all the big excitement in the moments of like, um, what's his name, Evan Peters being in WandaVision, people being like, multiverse. This show has actually really done that and been like, multiverse. Yes. <laughs> Here we go, guys. Yeah. It does make me wonder. I hope people can go back and look at WandaVision now, maybe, because they were expecting that to be the thing that opens up the multiverse. And it was never going to be because Loki was. Mm. Whether people will go back who were disappointed by that now and go uh, and look back with, like, oh, I can't be angry with you anymore. Yeah. I just You're had to wait different. two more months. Yeah. <laughs> I got You're what I wanted. You're doing something that I was not expecting. That's exactly. all. Exactly. Yeah. And, but it is, I still, I still reckon the problem was one of the things we talked about in WandaVision was like, okay, now we've done WandaVision, both Marvel and the audience needs to learn that the TV shows will never be those things where the big events happen. Except Lesson the biggest learned. event that possibly has ever happened in the MCU just happened in Loki. It's huge. <laughs> so, it changes so, everything. Yeah. Lesson unlearned. Expect mm-hmm. any everything. It could possibly happen. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B. Gordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at Maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, which will be at least two, if not three weeks away, mm-hmm. we will likely, likely, but not definitely, but likely be back to discuss Soprano Season 6 Part 2. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good night, everybody. And so, yeah. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.